Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. A battle is raging for the heart and soul of this nation. It's a battle over truth and how you and I will choose to live out our faith in the public square. Welcome to A View from the Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs, along with co-host Joe Kerr, and today we have a special guest with us to address the way believers think, pray, and vote. Jason Yates is the CEO of My Faith Votes, the nation's leading movement that equips Christians to vote biblical values in today's elections. My Faith Votes made a measurable impact on Christian voter turnout in 2016 and features Honorary National Chairman Mike Huckabee. Jason, welcome to A View from the Wall. Thanks, Dylan. I really appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you with us, Jason. And I know My Faith Votes was established at a critical time in American history. And as we begin, I want you to take a moment to walk us through the story of leading My Faith Votes at a time when the nation was in the process of electing a new president. What was it like in the early days of starting My Faith Votes? Well, we got started when our founder, who's an attorney in Southern California, he's an attorney representing a number of influential Christians. Um, who are also authors and representing them in their books. And one of those clients was and is Dr. Ben Carson. And he was running for president at the time. And it was in the process of a small book that Dr. Carson wrote called One Vote. And in that, we learned that there were 25 million Christians who were registered to vote, but didn't vote. They stayed on the sidelines. And we just thought, man, with all that our country is facing at this point, we cannot afford to have Christians staying on the sidelines. We must motivate them. We must equip them to make their voices heard. And so uh, through much prayer uh, and planning, uh, out of that birth, my faith votes. And we invited Dr. Carson. Uh, though he was an inspiration to the founding, uh, he wasn't a founder, but we invited him to be a part of it and act as our honorary national chairman at the time. And it was so gracious of him because we invited him to do that when we learned he was stepping out of the presidential race. He said, you know, I will do that. Um, this is a great cause, and I will announce it when I uh, announced that I'm stepping out of the presidential race. And he did that, and we were instantly on the map, and we've had just a tremendous following, a number of great people working with us, including, as you mentioned, Governor Mike Huckabee, who now serves in that role as Dr. Carson has moved on to uh, the current administration. So we're just pleased with that. Um, as you mentioned, we're encouraging everyone to pray, to think, and to vote. Um, pray unceasingly, to think critically, and to vote um, consistently in every election that they have an opportunity to. That's a great line. Say that again. So uh, pray unceasingly. Uh, We are called to pray for our nation, uh, pray for our leaders, and pray about our elections. To think critically. Think about what the issues are. Don't just read the headlines. Think about what's happening um, from a biblical worldview, and then to vote consistently. Vote in every opportunity 
we have too many people that are voting maybe just in the presidential elections, but they abdicate their responsibility at the local level. We need Christians to step into the game in every election that they have an opportunity to vote in. And that brings us to the churches. There are still some churches that are resistant to anything they consider political. That's almost a a bad word nowadays. How do we get people past that false assertion that churches shouldn't be involved in political matters? Yeah, thanks. There's a really a false narrative about separation of church and state. Many pastors, even elders, because elders are very influential in churches, have come to believe that by law, they think the church is unable to do anything um, in the area of government or risk penalty, uh, possibly even lose their 501c3 status. And that's just simply not the case. The truth is that a church can do quite a bit to engage uh, their congregants and to be active uh, in what happens civically. They can educate members of their congregation about pending legislation. Uh, they are allowed to distribute nonpartisan voter education materials like voter guides, party platforms, etc. And the pastor even may identify himself in a public endorsement as long as it's not the church endorsing a particular candidate, but the uh, pastor, if he identifies that this is my personal endorsement, he can do that. And then the other thing that churches can do is they can conduct nonpartisan voter registration drives. And that's something that we're encouraging churches to do. Um, We've set up a national voter registration Sunday as September 22nd. We've provided an entire kit for churches that walks them through step-by-step what they can do. And so I would encourage uh, everyone, whether you're you're a, a leader at the church or whether you're simply someone attending a church, visit our website, myfaithvotes.org. Uh, you'll see an opportunity to click on a button for the Voter Registration Sunday. Download those materials. Go talk to your pastor. Go talk to your elders. Um, encourage them to make this part of a way that they're encouraging people to be faithful and influence culture, influence their communities, influence their neighbors um, through hosting a voter registration drive at their church. Well, those are some wonderful ways to get involved. And we introduced you with the comment that My Faith Votes had a measurable impact on Christian voter turnout in 2016. How do you see My Faith Votes impact the 2016 election of Donald Trump? Well, uh, we did it in a number of ways. Um, first, um, we just mentioned that it, it is somewhat difficult in engaging with the churches, but we still had a very active outreach to churches and reaching those churches, having pastors encourage their members to be involved. But we're doing it in other ways, outside of churches. We're reaching Christians in, in other ways. For instance, media, radio, TV, hosting national events, uh, social media. You know, we mobilized 1.3 million voters in key swing states through live events. Uh, We reached 60 million people in the final month prior to the election on social media alone. And then we have a great program. We We call it Because I Care. 
and it's a outreach to students on Christian colleges and, and universities. And so uh, in 2016, we were on over 40 campuses across the country um, and encouraging and equipping those students to register to vote, helping them with absentee ballots and helping them to think, as we said, critically about the issues. We know we need that on campuses. But one of the other ways, Dylan, that we uh, made an influence was we sponsored a really critical event in June of 2016 where a thousand evangelical leaders met with then-candidate Donald Trump to have a conversation. At the time, uh, many of the leaders, uh, church leaders, as you probably understand and are aware of, were really hesitant about Mr. Trump and who he was and what he was bringing potentially to the office of the president. And so this wasn't an event that we had a goal to have Christians endorse or support Trump. We just wanted to understand who he was and where he stood. And so we we invited these leaders, we invited Donald Trump um, into a conversation where we could ask him some questions um, and let him hear about the issues that were really important to the Christian community. So we spoke about issues of life, immigration, religious liberty, racism, and more. Um, and I think many of those leaders walked away thinking that Donald Trump would align more with their values than Hillary Clinton. And we did, by the way, invite Mrs. Clinton to a similar event, and she declined. But that, I really believe, was a pivotal point uh, for Christians and these leaders who uh, went away and were able to speak with more clarity on why they may have supported Donald Trump in that election. Well, we hope you're enjoying our time with Jason Yates of My Faith Votes. And when we come back, we'll discuss our eternal heavenly responsibility in our temporary earthly home. So stick with us. We'll be right back. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. I'd like you to think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how difficult it must have been for her to tell her parents and Joseph that she was expecting. 2,000 years ago, a pregnant, unmarried teen in Israel could be cast out from her village, perhaps stoned to death. I'm sure her parents asked her, how did this happen? And though I don't know for sure, I imagine Satan whispered to Mary, just lie. Tell everyone you were assaulted by a Roman soldier. An assault was possible. It was actually a more probable scenario than claims of an immaculate conception. Mary, just a little lie and all your problems will go away. The temptation to lie can be great, but speaking truth honors God. And when we live to honor God, God will honor us. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. We're back at A View from the Wall, and today we're talking with Jason Yates, CEO of My Faith Votes. We've been discussing our role as Christians in the political process, and I want us to continue that discussion about our obligation as Christians in the governing of our country. So, Jason, as we look at Scripture, we come to Romans 13, where the Apostle Paul writes about our obligation 
to submit to governing authorities. And in one spot there, he states, there is no authority except that which is from God. The authorities that exist have been appointed by God. So when we look at scripture, what does it mean that government is God's appointed authority in society? Yeah, I think we need to look at this as the whole of authority and established government that God has put into place. And here's a principle we need to remember that God is in charge and he alone sits as the ultimate government over his creation. So an accurate understanding of that principle is critical to formulating a believer's worldview, especially on voting. Uh, So this is talking about God's sovereignty. Sovereignty simply meaning that God is accountable to no one. All things are either caused by him or permitted by him. But we're dealing with humanism in our world and in our country. Uh, what humanism often does is it offers an insufficient understanding of the sovereign purpose and work of God. So humanism attempts to box God into a system of government confined within the perspective of man. And when humanity is used as a starting point for interpreting and interacting with God's creation— we have faulty theology and sociology. They emer- the, these faulty beliefs emerge as mankind attempts to fashion God into the image of man. So as a result, you get systems like socialism and communism in particular, which use government to suppress religion and leave God out entirely. So in answering your question, the problems arise when people adopt the institution of government, but dismiss the divine ruler over government. You know, so many people today want God bless America, but they don't want one nation under God. So the issue is that you can't have one without the other. God has given us the freedom to choose whether or not we will be one nation under him or whether we'll recognize his rule and operate underneath it. So the choice comes under God bless America. Will we live under his rule? Um, you know, Psalm thirty three twelve also says, God only promises to bless the nation that recognize his authority. It says, what joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. So, I, uh, you know, the the idea that there's an authority, I think our nation really struggles at the moment of, are we willing to come under his authority? And if so, our government will right itself. During the exile, the prophet Jeremiah instructed Israel to influence the country where they lived, even though they were slaves there. And we yeah. know the world... As we understand from Scripture, this world is not our home. We're citizens of heaven. What's a Christian's responsibility in an evil world? Well, I'm going to go back to the idea of government system, because I think you need to understand, we need to understand um, how God has established government in the perspective of all authority. So under God's rule, he has created governmental systems that consist under four distinct realms. We have the individual, uh, which translates into self-government. You know, that's 
governing oneself according to the principles and precepts found in God's law. We have family, the family government, and that's where God has established the family as the foundation of civilization. Scripture lays out the governing principles in relation to the marriage covenant and the family union. And then we have the church, church government, where God has ordained church leaders to govern over matters over the church and church members and serve as the moral conscience to the government. And then, of course, we have civil government, the system established to create and maintain a righteous and a just environment in which freedom can flourish. Um, so politics is fundamentally an ethical enterprise based on what is right and wrong. Therefore, you know, we talk about voting. Christian voting should be, first and foremost, a spiritual issue. But all that said, when you understand that self-government is a core pillar of the systems of government over which God has authority, you understand that this is also the most important pillar. In Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, it says, Fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person, for God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So you ask the question, what is a Christian's responsibility in an evil world? I say, first and foremost, it's that self-governing. It's acting rightly, justly. Um, There's also a verse in Galatians. I often quote uh, Galatians 6.10. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And so I think, you know, the primary responsibility in self-government is to do good, um, to avoid evil. Um, You know, we have a role to play in our family, in our church, in our civic government, and we must be faithful to that. And and sometimes we grow weary, but the great thing is uh, Galatians 6-9, right before 6-10, it says, do not grow weary. And sometimes we grow weary with our family, with our church, with our government, and we're just being encouraged. Don't grow weary. Keep doing good. Keep stepping in. Keep voting. Keep doing those things you need to do to be a watchman for our communities, for our culture. Well, those are such good words, Jason, and I appreciate those verses from Galatians especially, because as people who follow Jesus, we do get discouraged sometimes when we see the evil in our world. And on the flip side, we as a church believe that we will be taken home to be with the Lord at some soon point, that he'll come back at any moment and we'll be with him and not have to worry about that anymore. But sometimes people take that the wrong way. They think Jesus is coming back any moment, so why worry about what's going on in our culture? And that's really not true. That's not how God would have us to live. And so I want you to address that for a moment before we go to our next break. I mean, how do we stand firm in this context of our responsibility to society as Christians and voters, despite the evil in the culture around us? Yeah. Um, so I think first we get, we've got to recognize that our faith has something essential to offer um, to our culture, to our communities. Um, it's it's important for us to bring the influence of our faith to those areas and opportunities that God has given to us. He gives it to each one of us individually. He has set us up with circumstances to make a difference in the areas that we can. 
And so we cannot go and, and bury that influence. You know, we, we, we think about the, the uh, parable of, of the man who buried his coins, you know, and he, he didn't do anything with them. We can't be that guy. We've got to um, bring the influence of our faith. We can't ignore what's happening and simply wait for Christ's return. So let's be active. You know, we started the segment with um, what My Faith Votes is calling people to do. We're calling people to pray, to think, and to vote. And really, vote is act, right? I mean, it's an action. For My Faith Votes, we're calling people to act in a specific way called voting. Right. But in every election, we're calling people to do those three things. Pray about things, think critically, understand the issues, what's going on. Don't um, be uninformed and then take action. Go do something. And so that is what I would say to every believer is if you put those principles into place, if you are unceasingly praying for what's going on, praying for opportunities to do good and, and have influence, thinking about what's happening and standing strong against anything that is a lie. There are lies permeating our culture. Uh, we have to come against those lies and stand strong, declare the truth, and then we've got to take action. There's there's ways to take action, getting involved in our communities, being involved in our church, um, standing up, voting. Um, those are all great ways to not simply dismiss what's happening, not simply stay on the sidelines but make a real difference with the opportunities that God has individually given and created for us to take. Well, Jason, this is an outstanding perspective on our Christian worldview that's balanced with our earthly responsibilities as well. So stay with us for more when we return in our next segment on A View from the Wall. Stick with us. Understanding the Times 2019 is around the corner, Saturday, September 21, just outside of Minneapolis. Do you have your tickets yet? If not, call the Brushfire Agency at 1-888-338-5338. That's 1-888-338-5338. Or just go online to brushfire.com. We are selling general admission tickets for $25, and that includes a lunch. Speakers include Dr. Robert Jeffress, Amir Sarfati, Pastor J.D. Farag, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Jan Markell, and Lori Cardoza-Moore. Come and meet 5,000 like-minded remnant believers on Saturday, September 21. Learn why things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Out of view from the wall. We hope you've been enjoying your time with us and our special guest, Jason Yates, CEO of My Faith Votes. And you can find out more about My Faith Votes at myfaithvotes.org. And in our final segment today, Jason, we want to take a look at how this applies to our lives and to our society. And we know that our society is changing rapidly. The Bible warned us of this, saying that before Christ returns, our world will be like it was in the days of Noah. There were people living for self, and they were unconcerned about God's coming judgment. 
I know Barna Research calls us an increasingly post-Christian generation. And so, Jason, how do we uphold a Christian worldview as we live in an increasingly post-Christian world? That's a great question, and it is a challenge, I think, as Christians we are facing. Um, you know, Barna's research saying that 8% of the population actually hold a biblical worldview, because you use the words Christian worldview, but let's bring it back to what that really is. It's a biblical worldview. It's based on our awareness of and knowledge of what's in the Word of God, what's in the Bible. So if you're, uh, we talked about individual self-government. I mean, if you're going to govern yourself as, as God has created, you know, your self-government as an agency of change and an agency of order within the world, if you're going to do that and do that well, and to have a biblical worldview, well, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to daily be understanding what is in the Word of God and and believing that to be true. You have to know what's in the world, uh, not only know what's in the Word of God, but here's the thing, right? You've got to then do it. You can't just be a hearer of the Word. You've got to be a doer. So too often, we often know the Word, but we lack on the doing part. Um, That's taking a toll, especially on the younger generations. These younger generations are passionate about making a difference, but they don't see the Christianity of the older generations as doing that, as being authentic, as making a difference. Um, they then begin to explore other worldviews, and we can't let that happen. There's an imperative that we have to live out right now in what we believe, that we have to love our neighbors, you know, help the single mother that we know is in the same queue at church. We've got to serve together. We've got to pray for our leaders. You know, in short, we, we do what James has called us to do, and that's Act on our faith. Be faithful. So I think one of the things that we just struggle with is, you know, there's a biblical worldview, but it just comes down to what I said before. We can't just be hearers. We've got to be doers. As we do this, we will see more of the needs in our communities. As we take action and get involved, we will care more about what's happening in our communities. And that's one of my passions. Because to help people take action, get involved, because I believe that as we see more that's happening with our neighbors, um, as we care more about what's happening, we're going to be more inclined to vote. We're going to be more inclined to establish godly leaders in government who will promote godly values that we know are essential to the problems that we're facing as a nation. Well, again, thank you, Jason Yates, CEO of My Faith Votes. You can check his organization out at myfaithvotes.org. Again, that's myfaithvotes.org. And we want you to know we appreciate you. Please leave us a comment where you've listened to this broadcast and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and SoundCloud at the username I Am a Watchman. Thanks again for joining us, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. 
For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.